Welcome back to another episode of the Sporting Minds UK podcast. My name is Ollie Westbury and as usual I will be your host for today's episode. Speaking of which, I'm absolutely delighted to say I was joined a few weeks ago by England and Worcestershire fast bowler Pat Brown and we discussed his cricketing journey so far. We spoke about things like his time when he was a with England and the difficulties he's had over the last couple of years with injuries. These are massively important for any athlete, um, regardless of whether they play at the elite level or not. So it's the kind of thing that I really enjoyed discussing with Brownie and hopefully you guys listening will enjoy. Before we dive into this episode, I did just want to touch on a new scheme that the charity has started. Uh, if you follow Sporting Minds on social media, then you may have seen the new initiative called The Huddle. It's, give, it's a new campaign that allows people do, to donate a set monthly amount to charity to support the athletes that we provide that vital mental health support for. By donating just £5, you can help support these athletes. And for more information on this, then you can visit our website at www.sportingmindsuk.org forward slash the huddle. Thank you. And for more information about the pod, you can follow us on Instagram at at SMUK podcast. And I also provide updates on the podcast affairs on my own personal Twitter feed. And that is at Ollie underscore Westbury. That's enough ramblings from me so far. Enjoy the episode, guys. Brownie, you're the fourth guest in, on Series 2 of the Sporting Minds UK podcast. Thank you so much for giving up your time to come and talk to me today. How are you? I'm all, I'm all good, Wes. Thank you. It's uh, nice to get on here. I was wondering if I was ever going to get an invite, to be honest. Yeah, well, well, I had Ali on the podcast last week. Um, did you? So I did, yeah. Me and Ali, we were chatting about, away about Premier League football and physio and all that jazz. So, yeah, you, you've, you've made the cut. You've made the cut. You're my, you're my first Worcester cricketer. Uh, I can live so, with that. Yeah. So, so yeah, you should feel very privileged. Um, <clears throat> so just for today's podcast, um, guys, and, and if it's okay with you, I'd like to start by just briefly mentioning your time with England um, in 2019 you went out to play in an international T20 series I think the listeners would be very interested to know um, what that experience was like for you and what it was like going into a dressing room that was led by Owen Morgan who's a World Cup winning captain so could you just uh, divulge a little bit of information on that for me please Brownie yeah of course it was a it was obviously like an, an incredible experience and sort of something that I, I had never given real serious thought to. Um, and it, it was sort of made even more surreal, I think, for me, because obviously you you experienced England in some capacity in, in the 19s and that sort of thing. Whereas for me, like, I'd never really experienced anything past Worcester. So, like, I'd never been to Bunbury when I was younger or going to an England under-19s squad or alliance tour or anything like that so it was I think it was quite unusual for anyone really to to sort of miss out all of that and go go straight to the the full England team so I I literally had no idea what to expect or how the environment would be and I I don't know if that sort of helped me a little bit just sort of take it in my stride because it wasn't I wasn't building it up to be I obviously was I obviously knew it was a, a massive thing because it was playing for England but 
mm. going into it, I hadn't built it up massively because I'd not sort of experienced anything like it before. So I didn't really know what to expect. Um, uh, obviously, I knew the cricket would be would be amazing, but everything else that goes with goes with it and being away from home, I had no idea what it would be like. So, yeah, I I tried to just take that in my stride and enjoy it as much as I could, really. Um, and what was what was what was Morgan like? Yeah, he's Morgan's amazing, really. He's um, you you will have played under Mo as well, and you can. After playing under Morgan, you can like quickly and clearly see that a lot of Mo's captaincy style is sort of based on based on how Owen is. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Just the the very calm nature, and certainly the <coughs> bowler. You you won't have experienced it with Mo, but it was very similar to to Morgan in terms of he he stand at mid off and have the ball. Um, and whether you'd just been hit for four or bowled three dots in a row, it was real calm and sort of the same conversation. Just, you know what ball you're bowling. I was like, yep, yeah, happy with your field. Yep. Yeah. He's like, great. Don't need to ask anything else. Just very much sort of empowering, empowering you as a bowler. Um, so that was, that was really nice to play under. And obviously going and going and playing under him, who's obviously an amazing captain. I was, I was quite worried beforehand, like thinking, am I yeah. going to, is he going to be at the top of my mark, like quizzing me and making sure everything's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> like feeling like I've, I've got to think about that conversation as well as thinking about delivering a skill. Um, so I was yeah. quite worried about that, but, but no, it wasn't like that at all. It was, it was amazing. He just literally just let you focus completely on, on what you, were, what you wanted to deliver. And if what you didn't deliver, if what you delivered didn't come off, sorry, then it was absolutely no problem. It was similar conversation again, just again, reiterated, are you happy with everything and, and that sort of thing, which, which was great. And actually before, before any of the games, before the proper game started after the warm up games, he, he said, to, I think he said to it all the, the debutants on that tour, because I think there were three or four. Um, obviously didn't know at the time that he probably said it to everyone, but he said, before anything started, that you definitely will play at least one game. So obviously going out to play at all with England, I was half in the back of my mind, also thinking I'm probably not not yeah. going to play. I'll just be wearing a bib and carrying drinks for for a couple of weeks, which obviously wouldn't have been an issue. But yeah, no. um, but yeah, to to sort of get that nod before any of the game started, so you can get your head around think, thinking about actually playing and um, not just not switching off almost because, you know, when you're carrying drinks for two or three games in a row, you, you can just think, well, I'm not going to get in here. So you sort of switch off a bit. So to get that was, was quite nice. And then I ended up actually playing the first four out of, out of five games. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I must've done something he liked and obviously enjoyed, enjoyed playing them games. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. It sounds like a very daunting experience to be fair. It's not, not something I particularly enjoy that much. I actually wrote I wrote an article about Mo's captaincy. Um, I didn't actually play under Mo, but obviously I was always uh, on drinks duty when Mo was around. Um, so obviously I witnessed a lot of the talking um, and, the, and the pre-match talks and all the stuff that he did. And I, I actually wrote an article of how good a leader I actually thought he was um, for a media outlet. And 
it, it, it really interests me to see that they're quite similar um, because obviously that's two very successful teams. And that was the next question I was going to ask you. Like, d d So a team that's being led by Morgan, I imagine to you that brings no surprise that that team's as successful as it was. No, definitely not. The whole, the whole environment really, to be fair, from, from Owen up to Chris Silverwood, the head coach, and everyone in between, they they all just managed to create such a a calm, pressure free environment. And that mm. that also may have been because the tour I played was without some of the, the bigger players after because they were having a rest, um, which could have played a part in that. Maybe it felt like there was no pressure because there really wasn't, because we probably with the team we had and two or three people with less than less than five caps going into games probably weren't actually expected to to do that much but um like from my experience i can only assume it's it's the same every game they play and yeah if it is it's obviously it's no surprise to me from being in that that culture and environment for a few weeks that they've had the success that they have had in in white ball cricket especially yeah um <clears throat> i'll I think I've asked you this question before and you may have told me, but just for the sake of the listeners, I just want to know who in that squad did you get on well with and, and why Why do you feel like you got on well with, with that particular person? Um, actually, I got on really well with uh, with Johnny Burstow and, and David Milan mainly. Um, I don't really know really. I think we, we're all pretty similar. You'll know me, I'm a bit, more on the anti-social side than the social side. So we've when the roomed, young lads were... Yeah, we've shared a yeah. room together on tours many a time, haven't we, Brownie? Yeah, you'd often tell me I'm going out, it's fancy, and I'd be like, nah, I'm right, mate. Thanks, <laughs> I'll stay here. So uh, I think that actually helps because they were more on that side as well. Um, so we often just ended up going for a coffee or just the three of us or just getting a quiet lunch or something like that rather than whizzing around on them lime scooters in New Zealand if you've seen them yeah 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 I've seen them yeah, yeah. so uh yeah I I mainly mainly hung around with them and they were, they were really good to me to be fair just helping me out and just similar similarly just making sure there was no pressure and if, if I had any questions about anything that I felt more than more uncomfortable asking them guys which was nice so mainly them two yeah but everyone everyone on the tour was was really I could have hung around with any of them it wasn't wasn't a case of I'll hang around yeah, with them because yeah. I only like yeah, them. Yeah, no. Well, no, it, that must be a, a a huge, I mean, confidence boost for you because I mean that those two are senior, seasoned international cricketers, aren't they? That have played an awful lot for their country. So there's a there's a lot that I suppose that you can leech and learn from them. I suppose at the same time whilst you're touring, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I think I actually think it helped. In a, in a weird way, you'd probably you'd think that are oh, they they don't have the time of day for me and that sort of thing because they're so senior. But actually, in fact, I think it's the opposite because they probably don't feel threatened by you at all. And yeah. ultimately, like professional sport, you'll know <clears throat> we're all mates, but we're all sort of threatened by one another in in some form. So I think for them, like I, they're obviously batsmen as well, which helps. Like they, I pose no threat to them, so they don't they don't risk anything themselves by being really nice to me or sort of helping yeah. me out or giving me tips whereas you know if it was if it was me and a, another young bowler who's just trying to get into the team as well there might be 
that little bit more feeling of being threatened mm. and sort of maybe not wanting to to have them conversations that really help you out. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was a great experience, those T20 games in um, in New Zealand. And let's keep our fingers crossed that for some more international caps for you, Brownie. Something that if we just move on a little bit and segue off into a different direction, um, heading towards more of the mental health side of things. Um, athletes all over the world um, give up so many things to get to the top. Um, obviously, because I know you well, I know that you're not originally from Worcester. Is it Lincolnshire? That you've that is that or Cambridge, yeah, sort of in, on the border, sort of on between, the border yeah. in between, Stanford or Stanford, Peterborough. <clears throat> right, yeah. Well, I've just given away your address. I'll send. I'll put your postcode and a link <laughs> in this podcast as well for anyone who wants to. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to know, like, how did I know you moved to Worcester for university? Um, and athletes give up so much all the time to 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 achieve their dreams and to achieve their aspirations. Um, I'd be intrigued to know what your take on it is. You know, it must be a difficult time. I mean, you, you, you're uplifting your, your life. You're moving away from home. I mean, how old were you at the time? You must have been 18 at the time. It must have been a difficult yeah. experience. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I, at the time, so I, I got this university scholarship through the club. And at the time, I remember a couple of months before, Elliot Wilson asking me if I'd rather that or, or a professional contract. Not as in offering me both, but just out of interest. And I, I said, oh, I really wouldn't mind either, because I sort of pretended that I really wanted to go to uni to them guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when in reality, I didn't. Um, but in, in the back of my mind, I was thinking I'd much rather get a professional contract. But in hindsight, I'm so so glad that I. I got the uni thing because I, I wasn't really good enough to get a professional contract at that time and they hadn't sort of seen enough of me. Um, so I, I wasn't going to get one anyway, ultimately. But I'm so glad I, I got the uni scholarship instead because it meant that I lived with people who were sort of in the same boat as me, not in terms of having the added pressure of of cricket, but they just moved away from home as well and they, yeah. they didn't know anyone. They didn't know anyone that you got sort of put together to live with either. So I was in very much in the same boat. I think not that I, I wouldn't have clicked with people, but I, I think I would have really struggled to come come to Worcester and live with a couple of the cricket lads who knew each other really well. And I I sort of didn't really know. I think I would have really struggled with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really glad and that it it made that transition away from living at home a much easier, a much easier one. And I think to be fair, I was, I was ready to leave home. I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see myself as someone who wanted to be there much longer than, than I had to be not in a, a rude way, but I just, I, I think I was ready, ready to leave home and, and sort of get into adult life really. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd like to get home more now. That's probably more challenging mentally, not seeing yeah. them for longer periods. But the initial moving out, I, I found quite easy because I, I, um, yeah, like I said, I moved into uni with people in the same boat, and the two people who actually I got put with in my flat, are two of my best mates now still to yeah. this day. So that that obviously really helps. It, again, it it's all about the experience you have. If if uh if I got put into a flat and didn't like anyone there, it would have been a very, yeah, might have been different, very yeah. different story. But yeah, I, 
I feel quite lucky really that I got the opportunity to do that and and have two two best friends there really that don't really care about cricket ultimately which helps as well yeah um so that's your personal experience with it I, I mean how do you think how do you think the the concept of it is on, on the whole with athletes moving away from home do you think it's a beneficial thing do you think it depends on the the personality or what you thought what's your take on that yeah very, very much I think it is very individual some people I think some people need that comfort blanket of home around them and um and moving away from that environment will sort of clip their wings they'll feel very trapped or or isolated and that's obviously no no good for your mental health or ultimately and ultimately when your mental health declines your performance declines so it's yeah it's not good good on any level um but i think i think for some people it they need it i think it adds an extra level of maturity looking after yourself organizing organizing yourself um i think that can that can help your your sporting performance as well if you're responsible for for uh, everything else around around just training i think that can that can help you help your training yeah. as well if if you're that way inclined like like i was but yeah there's there's no there's no sort of shame i don't think in being someone who wants to be wants to be at home and have their family around them a lot yeah no not at all not at all i suppose everyone's different aren't they in terms of what their comfort zones are and what what they feel like they need to do to be successful so it's, it's a really in interesting concept i just it, it, it really intrigues me because you see a lot of the footballers wanting to go move back to london where kind of family is um and i know a lot of them are, you know the, the several premier league foot, london football clubs and if you don't make it there they have to kind of branch out but they always end up wanting to come back to london so i thought it was really intriguing um question to ask you if somebody has moved away like that and now obviously worcester's your home as i'm sat chatting to you in your house that you've bought yeah. there in worcester so really interesting um i remember your breakthrough season in 2018 uh really well the knuckleball season with your 31 wickets in the blast as a 20 year old uh, is absolute phenomenal achievement and also it contributed to worcester's maiden t20 title which was also not only their first finals day but also their maiden t20 title can you talk us through that feeling that season and the feeling of what it was like um because it came out of nowhere really didn't it yeah it did yeah i i was in hindsight really i was, I was quite lucky i I played six games in this last season before. Yeah. Um, where Worcester got whacked and I got whacked as well. So I'd sort of I'd learned the hard way really in in terms of it, it can be really cruel and really tough to be in that environment. Um and I, I probably took a lot of my learnings from them six games forward in twenty eighteen, which helped. But yeah, in twenty eighteen I um I was very much on the fringes still and like there was I was by no means like a sure a sure pick to play hmm. play a game in any form. Um I remember going into the T twenty season, I um I played a few of the one day games in that season where we got to a semi final. And the only I think I, I played a couple of games and then got dropped and I think Dill made his debut at Edgebaston if I remember rightly. Um, when he kept trying to pump reverse swinging balls through extra and missing them. 
Yeah, um, I remember that game really well, actually. That was the game. Yeah. Did Leachy get injured in that game? And then... Yeah, so I got dropped for that game. So I was doing first man and Leachy went down 10 overs in. So I had to just field for 40 overs. So I was fuming. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that. Dill's batting. So, <laughs> yeah. So I actually only got back into the, into the team because of injury. And then I ended up sort of actually doing okay and we got through to the semi-final and I played really well in the semi-final, which we lost. Um, and I I didn't, I think it went down to the last over, which I bowled. Again, I only bowled it as well because Moz was injured. So I'd got these yeah. two two like big opportunities through other people's misfortune. Yeah. Um, Sport works like and, that though, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. You've, you've got to just be ready to, to step up, don't you, at any time. Um, so yeah, the they needed 10 off the last over, I think. And I'd been bowling this knockable for like the whole year and summer 2017 as well. And in that last over, I, I got banged for six first ball. And then second ball, I uh, I got Haino Kunau, who'd got 100 with a knockable. And it it just came out differently to to how it ever come out before. Yeah. And uh, from that, that point on, really, so I was playing this game through other people being injured. And for some reason, something just clicked that game in the last over. And uh, yeah, I just I took that took that through the season with me really, and yeah, didn't didn't really look back. But even then, the first I played the first game of of the blast and didn't get a wicket, and I was turning up. I turned up to the second game, which was at home to Warwickshire. So obviously, I really wanted to play, thinking I'm probably not going to play here because I didn't do badly, but I maybe went like none for thirty, none for thirty or something off my off my four. Um, so I was kind of thinking, I'm probably not going to play this. Ended up playing and took three throw and took a couple of catches and got man of the match. And sort of from that point on, I, I, I really clearly remember turning up to the next game and just knowing I was playing. Yeah. And I'd never had that before. I'd never turned up to a game knowing I was going to play. So no. that, that in my mind... I think it obviously helped because I didn't have to yeah. have to worry about someone coming over to me and warm up and saying, oh, you're not playing today or you are playing. I could yeah. actually properly mentally prepare. And from that point on, I I just got on a roll really and, and ran with it. But still looking back, I see them first two games as being so, so pivotal in that season because it could have been yeah. so different so easily. <clears throat> you know, it's really interesting that you remember such a... A specific moment with that with the knuckleball and it coming good. I mean, I find that really, really intriguing that you can remember such a. I mean, you can effectively remember which ball it was that you bowled that it that it's that it started coming out to the way that you you wanted it to. I find that really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just because I'd been I'd been try- doing it for two years and it was decent, yeah. but. Just that one ball, I didn't change anything. And for some reason, it just came out unbelievably well. Yeah. And I just remember that feeling of like, wow, that was different. And uh, I probably didn't realise it at the time, but looking back, I'm like, that was the first time it had ever come out in that way. And it, yeah. for for the rest of that season, at least, it, it just kept coming out that way. Mm. And I didn't really know how, which actually I struggled with later on. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah what was so what was Worcester's first T20 Blast finals day um, obviously they, they won that 
what was that like for you? Because you played such a pivotal part um, of that um, with the wickets that you got and the way that you bowled. What What's that feeling like playing in front of 30,000 at Edgebaston, packed house, absolutely unbelievable atmosphere. Um, so what's what's that experience like? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? You were you were there at the time, weren't you? So Jinkies, uh, yeah. So you all know, but yeah, it, it was phenomenal. Like the the atmosphere there is something I'd never experienced up until this summer, really, with with the hundred. Yeah. Um, and it's still it's still different to to finals day because people are there all day. So by the time four o'clock comes around, everyone's leathered. Um, but. But yeah, it was uh, amazing. Like I mentioned earlier, actually, about the England stuff, we'd never really been there as a team. I don't think anyone, we'd never been to finals there. We were, the, we were the only team. So no one really knew what to expect or what it would be yeah. like. And I think that allowed us to not hype it up too much. We just saw it as a semi-final and, and then hopefully progress it to a final. We didn't see it as the whole occasion, really, that, that you can't help but see it as now having been there. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's that that that's really interesting, Brownie. Um, if we move away from from finals day now, um, and we look at um, something of a, I suppose, a, a little bit more difficult nature, we've talked on this podcast quite a lot about um, about injuries. Twiggy talked talked about his ACL problem. Um, back in 20, 2018 and the difficulty that he experienced with that. He talked a little bit about the loneliness that, that, he, that he, he kind of experienced of like rehabbing on your own. Um, there's been a few, uh, if we go in chronological order, would it be all right if you explain some of the injury battles that, you, that you've had over the last few years and the, the struggles that that's potentially brought with it? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so yeah, that 2018 season actually, I, where I did really well was when my, my back first started playing up and giving me trouble. Um, so I, I think sort of a third of the way through the campaign, I I just started getting this horrible back pain when I was bowling. Um, but it was only when I was bowling as well. And I, I presented really well on all the, the clinical tests they do, which, which meant they ruled out stress factor or anything like that. And I remember I, I just didn't train in between games. So I'd go, I'd literally just, go game to game bowling in matches. Even if we had a week off in between games, I'd, I just yeah. wouldn't bowl in between. And in warm up, because it hurt so much, I'd literally bowl two balls off half a run up. I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. And I'd pretend to a coach like, yeah, that's all I need to do. When in reality, it was very much, I can't do any more than that. Yeah. Um, Which for you, yeah, is, is no, knowing you, I know that you're a trainer, aren't you? You like to practice and yeah. practice your skills, don't you? So that's unlike you, yeah. I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So that, it didn't present that much of a challenge because I was doing well, but sort of later on down the line where I wasn't doing as well and still having the pain, it was really tough to not be able to train properly. Yeah. yeah. So I was going game to game without anything in between to give me any confidence. Yeah. Um, which I really struggled with. Um, but yeah, I, I remember quite clearly going to a game in Durham in 2018. And obviously Durham from Worcester is a four-hour bus ride. Yeah, and I think that must have just put me in a, a bad place with my back, and I I was really close to not being able to play that game, um, which would have been 
would have been sad really because I wouldn't have got to 30 wickets or whatever it was and I, I bowled pretty well in the game but I was really close to not playing and that was that was the only time I've used painkillers to play so that was that was quite a big deal for me um, yeah. but that that sort of just that remained the pain remained only when I was bowling so I I found I could cope all right with it then um, but move, moving through to 2019 I, was, I got a stress fracture in the winter after after 2018 um, yeah which I, I probably half knew in the back of my mind because I, I knew that it wasn't normal to yeah be in that yeah. level of pain for so long um, yeah going through to 2019 I, I obviously missed the winter winter's training pretty much and started up in March or something which isn't isn't ideal at all and I certainly I can certainly vouch for what Twiggy says in, in the loneliness you do yeah it is very much you feel like you're completely on your own path and your, your timetable doesn't match with any of the other boys so you know and when lads are gonna go get a coffee in between sessions that's when your session is so you can't do it it's like yeah you do feel like it isolates you um so i could 100 percent vouch for that but yeah 2019 was i did pretty well again not not to the same level but i was i was struggling with with the pain again um and i didn't really have i didn't have a pre-season in me to sort of have a physical base to work from so it didn't really yeah. take that much to push me over the edge again um, but that was, so I finished the season similarly, like in a lot of pain, but then I got picked for that England tour. So I was like, well, I'm, there's not a yeah. chance I'm getting in a scanner. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Benny, our fears at the time, didn't didn't really push me to, which was nice because he knew that I had a stressy. Um, so yeah, I, I knew at that time I probably had a stress fracture, but I was like, I'm not not passing this opportunity up so went out there played played the four games and it was pretty painful again I found it tougher yeah. in that environment to yeah. not train that much because I felt yeah, like I imagine that must be quite difficult yeah there wasn't that pressure but to train if you didn't want to but you still feel like as a as a young player like you should be ticking all the boxes yeah um and again I couldn't and I I almost didn't want to train because if I trained and didn't bowl well because of my back, I, I didn't want them to use that against me. I'd rather they, I'd rather they just think I, I didn't train that much than yeah. see me training and not bowling well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I found it harder in that environment because I wasn't as comfortable with the people around there. Um, so yeah, 2019, I, I got through that. I got through the England tour and then again, got diagnosed with a stress fracture a bit later in the year than the year before. Was that was that the Melbourne um, Stars time? Yeah. When you so were in Melbourne. Out, yeah, yeah, I went out to Melbourne and to be honest, like I, I knew going out there that I was in a bad place. And they actually it was a nightmare for me really because they they got me out there a bit early to do some training to make sure I was ready <laughs> to go. And I was thinking that the last thing I need just fly me out the day before the first game and I'll probably get through a few, but if you make me train for two weeks, I've got no chance. Um, So to no surprise to me, I I trained for a week or so and got to a couple of days, three days before, before the first game that I was meant to play. And for the first time really in my 
I tried to bowl in training and my back just wasn't having any of it. Basically yeah. just said, yeah, no, no, you're not you're not doing this to me anymore. Like I'm not I'm not putting <laughs> up with this. So that was the first time really I accepted that I had to go and get a scan and I couldn't just keep carrying on. Um so I got diagnosed, I think pretty much New Year's Eve, New Year's Day or something. Um which meant my recovery was even further into the season, the 2020 yeah. season. Yeah. Um, and then obviously COVID hit as well, which I, which really didn't help at all because I was trying to rehab without any without equipment, having an SNC really without yeah. being able to yeah. go into a gym. Which meant <laughs> so the, when that, that was when the we furlough, did eventually... wasn't it? It was the furlough yeah, yeah. scheme because uh, the SNC wasn't wasn't allowed to work, was he? Exactly. Yeah. So that was that was really challenging. Um, and again, I mean, it did it to everyone, but sort of the, the feeling of isolation when you're locked down yeah. was, it felt, it probably wasn't, but it felt worse to me because I was in a bad place sort of physically, which meant I wouldn't be able to do my job when I went back. And I knew that I'd be behind everyone else. Um, yeah. So yeah, we started that season and did we start in June or June or July? Yeah, I think it's June remember. or July, yeah. Something and I was like just that. nowhere. I was nowhere near ready to play. And um I ended up playing playing the T twenty games in pain again. And we were rubbish as well, which didn't help. We were terrible. Yeah. Um and I I think our bowling our bowling was pretty weak because we lost we lost Wayne Parnell, which didn't help at all. And I was really struggling like physically with my form and mentally. Um and I remember just turning up every game knowing I'd still have to bowl the hardest overs. I'd have still have to bowl yeah. the fourth, sixth, 18th and 20th, even though I was in a terrible place, as place, I said, physically, yeah. mentally. Um, so when you say you yeah, so when you really say you were in that. a when you say you're in a difficult place mentally, um what 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 do you mean by that? As in how, can you explain a little bit more on that? Yeah, I, it feels like a long time ago now, but it obviously wasn't. Um, the main the main feeling I had was I was just so I was so down on myself because because of what I'd achieved sort of eight months before that in playing for England. I just it felt like such a low. Um, and I, aside from just the cricket, I really struggled to play without a crowd. Yeah, um, I'm I'm someone who I feel like anyway. I, I, uh, I perform better in front of a, a crowd when there's more atmosphere and a bit more sort of pressure, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I really struggled with that and there was no adrenaline. I, I genuinely, I just found myself getting bored during games, which isn't ideal. I was out there fielding. I was just bored. Like I wasn't switched on at all. Um, and not having that adrenaline of a crowd definitely made my the pain that I was experiencing in my back worse because there was nothing to sort of feed off or nothing to distract my mind from the fact that you're in pain. pain here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I remember turning up to games all the time, just thinking like, I really genuinely do not want to play. Yeah. Um, but also in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I don't, whilst I don't want to play, I also don't want to be injured again. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's a catch 22 really, isn't it? Yeah. It wasn't going to yeah. affect 
my physical state if I sort of kept playing or if I didn't keep playing. But in my mind, I was like, if I keep playing and sort of can delay this injury, then then it might help me out. Like I didn't, I was really desperate for people to not think I was injury prone because I'd had yeah. struggles for two years before that, and I was really desperate for that not that not to be in other people's minds. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure, as, as you as you know, when you when you're worried about what's in other people's minds, it's not a, a very good place to be for your own mind. No, no, you're um, right. So no, I, I really struggled with that, and I, I just turned up to games, like I say, not wanting to play. And after games, after I'd inevitably been whacked, I was I was genuinely just like embarrassed. I felt I felt so I felt really ashamed of like what I was doing, which sounds really odd, but I felt I'd go home from games and I'd feel like I'd let everyone down, like I'd let myself down. I feel like I was massively letting my teammates down because we were struggling, and I was I was meant to be sort of one of the better players, meaning that yeah. helping us to not struggle. And I was I was as bad or worse than anyone um, during that season. So I I really struggled with that. And you'll know at Worcester it isn't it isn't like that. People people wouldn't have been looking at me thinking he needs to pull his finger out. But you, no, I hundred percent felt that felt that that was the case. Um, and I think that's. That that just happens when you're in a bad place mentally. Sort of irrational mm. thoughts start to creep in, yeah. and I was I was really struggling, thinking my mates were thinking I was rubbish or thinking I was letting them down, um, which obviously they weren't. But in my mind, that was such a it felt like such a rational thought to have because I was performing so poorly. Um, yeah, I, that that time of that sort of three month period was definitely yeah. the worst I've had in my my career it's 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 really interesting actually that you say about um it's, it's almost an acceptance isn't it that you find from you from your teammates it's certainly something that i found during my, my brief spell of playing that you kind of you 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 want your you kind of want that acceptance from from those from your peers around you because ultimately that's probably i mean I mean, the public can say anything they want about you, but really the ultimate the ultimate privilege for a player is probably being rated by those who you're playing with. Would you say that's a yeah. fair point? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, so it's probably a, re- a really common thing to actually think, well, probably I'm not quite performing at my best. So, and, and, and you, you kind of think, oh, I mean, I definitely had it. The couple of times I played, I was like, everybody thinks I'm rubbish. Uh, I don't know why I'm here. Um, yeah. Get me out of get me out of here. Get me to the end of the season. Um, yeah, you, def- you definitely have them thoughts, and it, I think it's so it's so they're so hard to deal with. And I think I think when you do have them thoughts, people will often say, "Oh, I don't think like that." I think it's impossible not to. I think you have to find a way of of coping with having them thoughts at times, mm. not just trying to push them to one side because I think when you when you just try and ignore thoughts like that or push them to one side they just end up building and you it hits you like a ton of bricks rather than yeah rather than sort of chipping away I think if if you can accept that you are going to have them thoughts from time to time and find a way to cope with it it's certainly more helpful than you know you hear people give advice of oh just ignore it don't don't think like that don't have them thoughts it's like well 
not that helpful because I'm no. still going to have some thoughts. Yeah, it's not like but you also, want I them, is it? On that point, like you'll you'll know as well when when you're a professional cricketer, at least that's all we know. You actually don't. You do care about other people because you want them to do well, but you don't. You you you're focused on yourself. Like cricket's a very individual sport. Yeah. I'm more. I'm too focused on my own game to have negative thoughts about what my teammates doing. So I I know that them thoughts are irrational when I'm having them, but you you still have them. Yeah. So that's why I say I think it's I think it's important just to try and find a way to to cope with them rather than just push them aside. So in 2021 last season, um, what was the situation there? Were you rehabbing last year? Uh, no, I was I was meant to be fully fit, but I after sort of after the years that had gone and battling through playing, and actually that that 2020 season, the last game, I I uh, I think they needed like 14 to win off the last over, and I got pumped for three sixes in a row. So that was a pretty low point. And I remember I I took myself off into the gym and had a little cry to myself and just like, I was like, what am I doing? I can't do this any longer. Um, and sort of going on from, from there, I'd had these thoughts throughout, throughout that season when I'd been injured. And uh, like I, I said to you before the podcast, I, I genuinely felt as though my career had peaked when I was 20, 21 and I was never going to get back to that level. I'm never going to get back to playing for England. So, like what am I actually playing for? What's the point? And I, I, they weren't. I wasn't genuinely considering it, but I, I had these thoughts quite often that I, I wanted to retire. I didn't want to carry on playing. Yeah. And that was, that was fairly normal for me. I kind of just accepted that. It might not be that long before I, I pulled pulled the pin on it because I couldn't carry on doing what I was doing. I, no one would admit that I was, but I was letting my teammates down playing in the state that I was playing in. Um, and I, from that from that point, I obviously the season finished, which was good because if it had gone on much longer, I think I would have got into a really bad place mentally. Um, but from that point on, I, I sort of promised myself that I'm I'm not going to do that again. If yeah. I'm injured or if I'm feeling this pain, I'm not playing through it. It's not happening again because it doesn't do me any good and it doesn't do my yeah. team any good. So what's the point? Um, so yeah, from from that point on, I, I sort of kept, I came good on that promise I, I made to myself when when I got some pain last year, sort of early in the season. And me and me and the fizz that we had at the time sort of came up with a plan yeah. that if that happened, which was to make sure it wasn't a stressy and if it's not, we'll get a jab to just get rid of the pain. Because I was like, I, I can't play with this pain. Yeah. Um, and when I got the pain, I... I didn't have to refuse to play, but I said I'm not playing anymore. I'm not playing until this pain's gone because I'm not I'm not doing it to myself or or to my teammates. And then it basically just we got a new fears and he had a different take on what me and the previous fears had already agreed, um, which meant it took probably three weeks to get a get a jab, and then once maybe more than that to be honest maybe three or four weeks to get a jab yeah. and then once you had it I wasn't trading much before that because I couldn't 
uh, once I had it, I needed seven days rest. Um, and then like two or three weeks to actually build back up again, which mm. meant I missed the whole T20 season at Worcester and just went straight into the hundred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking back. I, I'm obviously disappointed. I didn't play any, any cricket for Worcester last year, but I'm really glad that I came good on what I told myself, told myself that I wouldn't do yeah. because I think right now I, if I'd have just carried on playing, I, I think I could be in a different position right now. I could be rehabbing another another stress fracture or or probably mm. worse than that, to be fair. I'd be thinking about retiring from cricket again, which I don't I obviously don't want to do, but, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I think if, if I'd have gone through another season like twenty twenty, I think I would have been having mm. more more genuine I would have been considering it more seriously. More seriously than I was back then right now. So how would you describe probably the last three years on the whole as a collective? Obviously, we've talked about them individually, but how would you describe your, your, your the last three years with these injury battles? Um, it's it's a weird one, really, because obviously you, you think of the injury and you think negatively, but I, I've had the best the best two years of my career and potentially or my career to date and what could potentially be my whole career during that, during that time of battling with, with these injuries. So it's, it's hard to sort of look at it just as, just as a negative. And again, like we mentioned it, I think in a really weird sort of way, it, it helped me to be mm. struggling with an injury at the time because I wasn't, I wasn't hyping up occasions too much. I wasn't thinking this is a big game or, or uh, like, I really need to do this, this, and this because I actually couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't train. I couldn't do this this properly, and I couldn't think of an occasion too much because I was too busy thinking about how much something was hurting or if I could get through the next game to yeah to care about the occasion. So I, I think it kind of helped me in a weird sort of way. Yeah. Um. Certainly, when I was doing well, obviously not so much when when your form starts to drop. But yeah, I, I look back and sort of. I, I think if I if I never play for England again, which is likely just from a a point of view that not many people do, and it's quite hard to do, yeah. Not from being negative on myself, I, I think I always have a little bit of regret and disappointment that I, when I was playing for England, I was physically being hampered by something. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't perform to the best of my ability because of injury. And I still did okay, but I think I'll always I'll always have a little bit of regret or a little bit of something in me that is disappointed I couldn't do that when I was physically at my well, never at hundred percent, but above ninety percent, say for instance. Yeah. I think I'll always I'll always carry that to a certain degree. Yeah. So moving on, how how are you now? And what are your hopes for 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 this coming season? I bet you're buzzing to get back out there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. it's been all been a bit doom and gloom that 15 minutes, isn't it? I, <laughs> I'm good now. I'm fine now. Um, I managed I managed to get through last season without getting injured, probably thanks to thanks to that promise that I kept. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying training training now, and you'll know. Kev and I think you've mentioned him a few times on the podcast I, I've been for a few walks with Kev mainly last winter when I was having these 
these um, these thoughts about retiring. Um, and I, I remember I remember saying to him, like, I just hate training. I hate it. Yeah. Um, and he was like, what? Oh, I thought you liked training. And if that's if training, if training is that big an issue for you, then you're going to struggle, mate, because all the best players, you'll know that all the best players train really hard and like they enjoy training. And uh, and I knew that was the case. And that's that's where I'm at now. I've I've had two months training or two months bowling at Malvern and I've really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to just enjoy enjoy doing my job again, because really it shouldn't feel like a job when you're doing cricket, when you're playing cricket professionally. But for, for certainly a year and a half, it, it felt like really did feel like a job. And I felt like I'd rather do a job that I'm not meant to enjoy than than to be miserable doing one that doing this one. Yeah. And and what what are your hopes? What what are your hopes for this season? Uh, I'd really, I'd really love to play some red ball cricket. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to take the focus away from white ball cricket a little bit because, yeah, going if I cast my mind back to 2018, I was I was playing all forms going into that that tournament, and I think having the base to work from physically really helped me out and I've not had that since I think if I could yeah. if I can go into this season and I think white ball is still going to be my stronger suit um, but I think having more of a red ball focus will will help my white ball because it will take me into that tournament in better rhythm bowling wise and hopefully hopefully better a better place physically so that my main goal really is to play play some red ball cricket there's no sort of number on how many games or anything like yeah. that or even if I don't play but I want to I want to be playing red ball cricket, even if it's in the twos, week in, week out, and sort of at least push in for a spot in the first team. Brownie, everyone at Sporting Minds UK, I'd like to thank you for giving up your time today um, just to, to chew the fat with me. Um, I found some of the stuff that you've, you, you've mentioned there absolutely fascinating, especially to do with the, um, the injuries and, and the difficult journey that you must have gone on over the last couple of years. So thank you so much um, for coming on to the podcast and giving us that story. I hope that, you know, for some of the listeners or anyone that's that's going through any difficult times at the moment can can relate to your story i mean what i find it so fascinating that people who are at the top of their game i mean we had nick compton on the podcast before but people who are playing for england you know they're at the top of their game at the top of their sport but that doesn't make you immune from this you know these battles are real people experiencing them every day um and you know we just continue to try and raise aware awareness as much as we can um, to try and help people and get the conversation going. But thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Brownie. Yeah, for me too, mate. For me too. It's been good to good to catch up with you as well. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while since we've spoken, but that's it from another episode of the Sporting Minds UK podcast with me, Ollie Westbury. Speak to you again soon. Bye for now. <laughs>